0: Hello and welcome, Olin Stubbs. I'm excited to be here, David. Thanks for having me, brother. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Olin, tell us everything that we need to know about you in 60 seconds.
1: All right, I'll do my best. Um, Grew up in South Georgia, came to Christ, led to Christ by my dad. Uh, I uh, wanted to be a Top Gun Navy pilot like Tom Cruise when I was a kid. And then the Lord called me to ministry. And so went to Samford University, got involved in a ministry called Campus Outreach with Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. And I graduated, came on staff for them, have been doing that for 24 years now. And I am married to my wife, Lena. I've got four children. Uh, Jackson just graduated Auburn University. Haddon is still at Auburn. And then I've got Wit and Sophia, who are still at Briarwood High School. So uh, I spend most of my time now training staff with campus outreach um across the US primarily and then have a few other pastoral duties as a assistant pastor at Briarwood
0: Presbyterian. Very good. How far did you get in the process of, of being the next Top Gun?
1: Uh not very far. I had a uh uncle who had been to the Naval Academy. I had his two sons uh, were uh, naval pilots and and one of them actually flew the f-14 jets and actually was an instructor at top gun for a while so that was kind of my goal was trying to get Uh, in the naval academy but then when i felt like the lord was calling me to preach i kind of put all that to the side and shifted gear so it was more just of a dream brother uh i'm not sure i would have even made it but it was fun to dream about
0: i I think we're both pretty sure you've got a better job now anyway olen so it's all good it's the chips fell in the right place (laughs) <laughs> Amen, brother. I I am very thankful
1: for the calling the Lord's given yeah. me as a privilege. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right, that's right. You've just written a brand new book at What to Do with Worry. Tell us about that. Yeah, so
1: um, I uh, I've I've thought about writing before. You know, I I get to teach a lot with my ministry, and I've had a handful of times where people have said, "Man, you should write some of this down." Or, um, and so I had done a series on worry that had seemed very well received, had written a couple of articles, um, and, uh, had a podcast and it seemed like people were listening to that one certain series a lot. And so I, I uh, started really just wrote the manuscript and just kind of praying and saying, Lord, I think you want me to do this. I'm not sure. But, and, and, and the other thing I was seeing is a lot of times in one-to-one kind of counseling and mentoring meetings I was doing, may, maybe the most common issue that would come up was worry, uh, men, women, uh, you know, young, old, black, white. It just seemed a very prevalent issue. And so uh, I decided, you know what, I'm going to write the manuscript and then I'm going to try to find a publisher and see if the Lord blesses. And lo and behold, he did. So,
0: yeah, oh, that's really good stuff. Really good stuff. And the book's really helpful as well. And and like you say, it's something that we, we, we all hit up against, uh, you know, isn't it, in our daily lives. So let's start off at the beginning. How does the Bible define worry and what does worry look like? Yeah,
1: I'll I'll try to do that in two different ways. So I think there is a proper uh, type of concern. Uh, Even to me, one of the most helpful passages in the Bible about worry is the Philippians four, six and seven. Do not worry about anything. And you skip down just a few verses to Philippians 410. And Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, you you revived your concern for me. They, They were concerned about the apostle Paul. He's in prison. Does he have enough food and blankets and money? So there's a right way to be concerned. That's good but worry is kind of concern taken to the nth degree. Uh, So worry would be when I start to be overly concerned about things that I can't control, things that God hasn't given me a stewardship for. So let me just give an example. Let's say I have a next door neighbor who's not a Christian and, and I love that friend and I'm trying to talk to him about Christ. Well, that's a proper concern and and it would be proper for me to say I'm I'm concerned, I'm burdened mm-hmm. that I want to be a faithful neighbor and be an example to Christ and talk to him about Christ. But if I start to say the burden is on my back to guarantee that he becomes a Christian. Well, that's 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 out of my purview. That's that's above my pay grade. Only God can do that. And so I have to be concerned with the stewardship God has given me. But it's worry when I start to take things onto my back that God has not asked me to carry the final responsibility for. So that's one way to define it. One other way that's maybe shorter and easier is that I like to say worry is a conversation that you have with yourself in your mind about something you can't do anything about. (laughs) But but Mm -hmm. prayer is a conversation with God about something he can do everything about. So. Uh, wow, I think that really good. that's how I would define yeah. worry. It's, it's when I'm taking responsibility for things that I'm not supposed to have responsibility for.
0: Yeah, that's really helpful. Really, really helpful. So, a question that a lot of people will probably want to ask: Is worrying sinful? Ilan.
1: I think so. I think you know, Matthew chapter six verse twenty five. Uh, Jesus speaking on the sermon on the mount, and you know, it's very clear. Do not worry, and he talks. He gets real specific. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Um, <laughs> which is pretty basic. It kind of covers a lot. You know, Paul, Philippians four six. Do not worry, and I like to say there's no exceptions clauses. Um, and then First Peter five, same thing. Uh, you know, casting all your anxieties on him. Uh, it, so yes, I think any type of worry. Uh, when you cross that line from concern into worry, all worry, no matter how big or important it is, or how small um, and seeming negligible it is, all worry is sin.
0: Yeah, yeah. And why is that? What what is worry ultimately rooted in, Olen? You know, it, it's that's that's a great question,
1: David. I'm glad you asked me that because I think a lot of times, people, especially people that struggle with worry a lot, they tend to think of worry. Well, it's just this sin of weakness. You know, it's like I just, I, I'm struggling with anxiety and, and, and obviously there is a weakness in it. But really, I think if you get down to the deeper roots of worry, it's a form of pride. It's a form of arrogance. It's a form of saying to God, Hey, God, I don't think you're doing a good job running the universe. And, 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 and I don't, maybe I don't think I can run the whole universe, but if you just let me run my little corner, I think I'd do a better job than you. And so it really is a type of arrogance uh, that, that I think that's what makes it so sinful is you're not trusting, certainly for Christians. I mean, it's true for all creatures, human beings, but especially for Christians to say to your loving heavenly father, I don't trust you. You feed the birds, you clothe the grass beautifully, but I don't think you're going to take care of me. Um, <clears throat> it's really sinful. It's really arrogant. It's really an affront against father god who is such the perfect provider
0: yeah yeah so good so good so how does the bible tell us to deal with this why are we then oh
1: well i think the main way not the only way but the main way is the place of prayer you know it's the philippians 4 6 and 7 do not worry about anything but in all things by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in christ jesus so you know, as as you know, I like to say it's almost like there's a rat on a wheel in my brain, just running and spinning. I'm I'm ruminating over something that, again, maybe I don't have responsibility for, or or maybe I've done my best and there's nothing left I can do, and now I just have to trust the Lord. But I don't want to trust the Lord. My my pride is kicking in. I want to control. I want to guarantee the result. I have to stop myself and say, Father again, this is, uh, you know, first Peter five, I'm casting my anxieties on you. I'm trying to take them metaphorically off of my back, off of my heart and throw them at your feet. You can handle all things. I don't trust myself. I trust you. Uh, so Mm. I think prayer is the, is the main thing. I think meditating on God's word, uh, is, is equally important. Maybe those are the two wings of the airplane prayer and meditation. Um, and specifically meditating on, I would say God's character and and God's faithfulness in history. And so, you know, one thing I like to say is preach your own history to yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. we probably most of us have heard the famous phrase preach the gospel to yourself. I don't even know where that first started, probably with some great English puritan. Um, you know, I think I first heard it from Jerry Bridges in one of his books, but right. and, and 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 that, you know, it's like okay, it, you know, it's the logic of Romans 8:32, <clears throat> I think. If God has already taken care of my greatest need, getting me out of hell, he's going to take care of my smaller needs when they're really needs. No, no. Sometimes the way that I define a need and he defines a need is different. But as I'm I'm praying, as I'm meditating on his character, as I'm meditating on the gospel, as I'm meditating on the story of his faithfulness in my life, um, that ought to bring great comfort. Really quickly, so often you see this pattern in David's prayers in the Psalms and some of the other psalmists, it's like they start with a panic. And then in the middle, you see them preaching to themselves, basically meditating. And then by the end, they're they're in a place of praise. They're in a place of peace. So I mean, That's think true. about how many Psalms start out like, oh, God, help me. Where are you? I'm all alone. My enemies are going to kill me. And then he starts saying, but Lord, you have been my rock. You know, you you have been my refuge. You have been my strong tower, my hiding place. And then by the end, he's like, I will delight. I will rejoice. And I hope all the nations rejoice. And so I think those type of prayers. um, And then lastly, I'll just say talking to other Christians, confessing your sins one to another, asking them to pray for you, asking them to lovingly preach truth to you. I think that's another thing that can really help.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Is worry a tool that the enemy can use against us? Absolutely. You know, I, Uh, So first Peter, uh, I've referred to that a
1: few times, you know, chapter five, I think it's verse eight is a very famous verse Mm -hmm. where it talks about the the, Satan is like a roaring lion prowling around looking to devour people. And, you know, that's probably one of those verses that I was first made aware of maybe in high school because, you know, it's this mental image of this lion stalking you. But probably for years, I don't think I really understood the context of that verse. And if somebody had said, hey, what a... What's, what's the context of 1 Peter 5.8? I think I probably would have said, well, maybe it's sexual sin. I know that's a big, bad sin. Uh, maybe it's greed, right? The whole, the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But if you look, it's really set in the context of pride and worry. Um, it, it, the passage is talking about humbling yourself and casting your anxieties on the Lord. So yes, I think worry can be the jaws of Satan to devour your soul and ruin your joy. Um, so yes, I think we need to take this sin very seriously. And I think far too many Christians treat it like, you know, a little white collar domesticated, respectable sin. It's not that big of a deal, but, but in, in reality it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You've touched on this already, Olin, but what does it mean to really rest in the Lord?
1: Yeah, I think ultimately, um, you know, it means that I am resting in God in His, I, it, at least in these three things: His His wisdom, His power, and His love. That He has all knowledge, so He knows what's best, and I don't. Number two, He has all power, so He has all control to guarantee the right result. And then three, He has all love that He that He loves me, and He is going to do what is best for me in the long run. That. God works all things together for the good of those that love him. And so even when my circumstances seem to be screaming at me, God's not good. God's not wise. God's not powerful. It is to trust. No, no, no. God is in control. And even if it, you know, I use this phrase carefully, but even if it feels like I'm going through hell on earth, uh, number one, I'm not. because that's what Christ did for me on the cross, if I'm in Christ. Uh, and then number two, I may suffer a lot in this life, uh, but Christians have a great retirement plan. We, we are going to live in heaven forever in pure bliss, in pure joy, in pure peace. So I think believing those truths, not just intellectually, but in the basement of your heart. So there is a feeling of peace. that Yeah. That's resting in the Lord.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the Psalms already, and I think that was really, really helpful. What is the importance of praying and reading God's word to combat worry? How how important is this for a Christian to be doing this? I I, I think,
1: you know, I don't think there's a silver bullet in the the Christian life, right? If you just do this one practice, all your problems will go away. But if there was a silver bullet, it's, it's praying and reading the Bible um, yeah. I, it, because it's amazing how much, um, you know, what's the saying that, you know, an ounce of prevention is is better than a, than a pound of uh, care or medicine on the back end. And I think if, if Christians are regularly getting up and ideally doesn't have to be first thing in the morning, but that oftentimes seems like the best, you know, spending time reading the bible meditating praying over the word and and over their circumstances that that probably just cuts the knees out of a thousand temptations that might come later in the day whether that's worry or lust or greed or whatever it may be so i i think it's crucial i think it's the same thing you know if i if i decided man i want to get into the best shape of my life right i want to get back to what I look like when I was a teenager in high school and playing high school sports and stuff. And, um, I was going to the gym every day and I'm running and lifting weights, but somebody said, well, tell me about your diet. What are you eating? And I said, well, I'm not eating anything. I'm, I'm, I'm barely eating any food or yeah, maybe sometimes I eat some junk food, I eat some donuts and Twinkies. And well, you know, if they're a good friend, they're going to say, well, you're an idiot. You're not going to get in good shape. No matter how much you go to the gym, if you're not intaking uh, vegetables and, and lean protein and fruits. And I think it's the same thing. If, if a Christian wants to be healthy and fight their sin and specifically worry, there just has to be a regular diet of the word of God into my soul. And then praying, talking to my father, saying, make these truths live and burn and shine. So.
0: And and it's it's funny, isn't it? We're not not really funny, but when you are um, in a season where you are worrying, it's often then hardest, isn't it, to to come to the Lord in prayer. It's hardest in those seasons to to come to the Bible. So, so how intentional do we have to be when it comes to fighting worry using these things, Olen? Oh, David, that,
1: that that's a great point, man. I, I think that part of Satan's strategy against us is when we're dealing with worry or anxiety or doubt or despair is one of the lies that we start to tell ourselves and, and even believe is, well, go reading the Bible is not going to do any good, right? I've done it right. before and it didn't make a difference. And, and and that just becomes a downward spiral. So well, I guess I'm just going to lay on the couch and watch Netflix or something. Well, that's probably not going to help you either. Uh, and so I think it's one of those things, um, you know, again, imagine if you were physically sick and you may say, I, I've been vomiting. I don't feel like taking any medicine. I don't feel like taking, eating any food, but if you have a wise doctor and he says, you've got to start eating again, you're getting dehydrated. So maybe just sip on a little Sprite or ginger Mm -hmm. ale, maybe Mm -hmm. just eat a plain piece of toast, but you've got to start basically forcing yourself to intake some nutrients again. And even to take this pill, it will help with the nausea. You may not feel like it, but, but if you trust the doctor, you will start to eat again. And so I think you're right. I think we have to be hyper intentional, hyper vigilant to say every I mean, one of the things I like to say is, listen, unless I'm in a 24 hour coma or, you know, maybe you're in the military and you do end up in some type of terrible 24 hour firefight in Afghanistan or something unless one of those two things are happening, you should make time to read the Bible and pray every day. And, yeah. and it may be the busiest, hardest, worst day of your life. Mm-hmm. But by golly, you should find five minutes, if if only that, to pull aside, read a short passage of scripture. If you can't read one, call one up from memory, even if all you got is John 3, 16, and just spend a few minutes mentally, uh, soaking in it, marinating in it, and then talking to the Lord about God, help this truth live in my heart. You know, uh, somebody said about Martin Lloyd Jones, and maybe he even said it about himself. Uh, you know, is that part of his preaching was he made the truth live; he made it burn. And in some sense, that's what good prayer and meditation ought to do. Is every day I, I want to take these old truths that maybe I know perfectly in my intellect and I want them to burn in my soul. So there's some power to, to kill worry and all soon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think you might've touched on this at at the beginning of the interview, but is it possible to make a case that there are good things to worry about?
1: You know, I think, I think the closest that you can come to that would be, uh, you know, Martin Lloyd-Jones, I think, uh, I think it's on his Sermon of the Mount series, and he talks about that Matthew 6 passage. And and he essentially, I think, is talking about maybe Matthew six thirty three. You know, um, you know, um, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you as well. And I think he says something to the effect of, listen, if you want to worry about something, worry about your relationship with God, right? If there's right. one thing. Right. So <laughs> I, I think he's <laughs> kind of speaking right. hyperbole yep. there. Yeah. But what I think he's saying, the right point is the thing that we ought to be the most concerned about, so much so that maybe sometimes it almost seems like worry is, man, I want to make sure that I'm walking closely with the Lord. And and, and and the example I think that that comes to my mind is the Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane and on the cross. because we know that Jesus, fully man, tempted in every way as we are, and yet he never crossed the line into sin. So in some sense, However close to the line you can get of being tempted, but not crossing in, Jesus did that. So he never fell into sinful worry, but he had the heaviest kind of concern you can imagine. And and what was he mainly concerned about? Father God, I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want to be abandoned by you. Um, I don't want to even feel forsaken by you. That's what he was really wrestling with on the cross. Mm-hmm. He knew all the right answers, but he felt forsaken. Yeah. So I think for a Christian to say, hey, God, I am hyper concerned that I want to not be forsaken by you and, and not even feel forsaken by you. I think that's that ought to be the greatest concern of our life.
0: Um, yeah, 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 yeah what is the best way to give counsel to a non-believing friend who's worried about something?
1: Man, David, that is a great question, brother. So I have a good friend uh, who was a professing Christian, left the faith, and he has kind of come back. I'm a theist. Maybe he's the most liberal kind of Christian, but he, he, he probably reached out to me a year or two ago and he said, man, my wife is really struggling with anxiety. Give me some advice to tell my wife, but don't give me any of that Bible stuff. So, you know, I appreciated his honesty, but I said, okay, brother, I'm going to try my best. Um, but I just got to be honest, all the best answers are in the Bible, but, right. but, but I'll try to give you some common grace wisdom. And I think that the, the common grace wisdom, because I think Jesus does a lot of this. I mean, part of Jesus, he, he's so logical. He's so rational. One of his arguments was, who of you by worrying can add one hour to your life? So that's one of the most practical things is, hey, worry doesn't work. Uh, Worry, I mean, there are plenty of studies that shown that so much of the physical health problems that humans deal with is stress related. Think about ulcers and things like that. And so I think you can say, listen, number one, worry is not making your life better, nor is worry neutral. It's actually making your life worse. So um, you ought to stop just because it's not helping you. Now, I think you can you can give good common grace wisdom to tell people stop worrying. The problem is nature hates a vacuum, and you know there's that that strange little—I don't even know if you caught a parable, but story that Jesus told about. Imagine you had one demon in your heart, and you cast it out, and you swept your heart, and you got it clean, but you don't fill it with anything. The demon's going to come back and bring seven of his buddies, and the, and the last condition is going to be worse than the first. And so I think that's a good, that could be a good segue. If I was talking to a non-Christian, I'd say, yeah, you know what? I can, I can give you some uh, just practical advice on how to yeah. get worry out of your life maybe, but you know what? If you don't fill it with the right stuff, you're, you're going to go back to worry or you're going to go back to something worse because let's, what do a lot of non-Christians do? They, yeah. they, they smoke a lot of weed or they drink a lot of wine, or they uh, become workaholics and throw themselves into business and reputation and money, thinking that that will fill the void in their soul. That's how they combat worry. And you know what, it it does end up being probably a worse sin, if if you become a drunkard, instead of just a worry wart. And so I think that could be a good segue to get into the gospel. Yeah, Um,
0: yeah, but I love that question. Yeah, really helpful. Thank you so much. Well, This has been fascinating, Olan. Really, really good stuff. We're about to take a very quick break and then we'll be back to ask you the three signature bar questions. So, Olan, as you know, every single guest that comes onto the bar gets asked these three very important questions. Are you ready? I hope so. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) So, question one. What kind of music do you listen to?
1: You know, I, I mainly listen to Christian music, uh, just because it helps me stay focused on the Lord. When I am not listening to that, I probably listen most to classic rock and roll, and I love, like Southern rock, like Leonard Skinner, but also like a lot of the. I mean, the Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones. Uh, some of my favorites. You too, though. I don't, you know, uh, that, yeah. that they're they're my all time favorite rock and roll band.
0: I thought you was going to say, don't worry. Was it Bob Marley that sang that?
1: (laughs) I do like Bob Marley too. I should have said that. I do like Bob Marley a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Next signature bar question. What book or books are you currently reading?
1: You know, the main one I'm reading right now is The City of God by Augustine. I've wanted to read that for 20 years. I've put it off and I finally said, by golly, I'm going to tackle it this year. I've got a couple of other books I'm I'm working on. I'm actually also reading uh, The Last Lion about Winston Churchill. Um, He's maybe my favorite non-Christian hero. And um, so I'm, you know, about 100 pages into the second volume. So those are the two main books that I'm reading right now.
0: It's definitely a Christian thing, isn't it, for us all to have more than one book on the go. I don't think I've ever asked that question Someone said one book. (laughs) Yep, yep. Got to have more books. Yeah. Are you planning on writing anything else, Olan?
1: You know, yes, David. I actually, I um, I'm, I, I actually just released a second book. It's called Bible Crawling, and it's it's kind of a, in one sense, it's a 31 day devotional, but it's really more than that. It, it's a how to book on how to learn how to pray and read and meditate on and journal through the Psalms, and so it kind of walks you by step by step, taking a different Psalm every day and trying to teach you how to put it into your own words. And so that was just recently released. Um, and yeah, I'm I, uh, excited about that. And I've got a couple other projects I'm working on, but the Bible crawling is just coming out. And I, I think hopefully people will like it and can put into practice some of the stuff we talked about today.
0: Yeah, well, great stuff. Well, we'll find a link to that. And make sure that links to both of these books are in the description below, wherever you're listening or watching this interview. Last signature bar question. What podcasts or sermons do you listen to, if any?
1: You know, uh, I listen to the main one I listen to is Tim Keller, The Gospel in Life. I you know, don't listen to all time, but I do listen to a lot of his stuff, love his stuff. Probably second to that would be Ask P- uh, Pastor John, um, the little right. John Piper. Q and a thing they do that only lasts about seven or eight minutes. Those are the two that I go to the most regularly.
0: Yeah. Very good. Very good. Before we let you go, please take a moment to let us know your closing folks and also let people know how they can keep in touch with you on social media.
1: Yeah, I'm on Facebook and uh, I'm not, huge on social media. That's the one place Sam. If you friend me, I will, I will try to accept and respond. Um, I, uh, I have a podcast called truth wars that can be found, you know, on iTunes or wherever. Um, and, um, yeah, I think closing thoughts are David. I am honored. Appreciate this opportunity. Love your ministry, what you're doing brother. And, um, we'll be praying that the Lord blesses it. So thanks for having me on man. Really am do consider it a privilege.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Well, like I say, we're going to make sure that we've got all of the links um, to your books, to your Facebook, and also um, to your podcast in the description below. Olen, really, really helpful stuff. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Hey, David. Have a great day, brother.